I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. getting the blues and cues. All over the world, people are lined up now. Millions, maybe billions of us losing trillions of hours of our time, our patience, and our lives. That's the blurb for a new film by Josh Fried coming out. Uh, well, actually, it's already been released. It's called The Taming of the Cue, and it's coming up for another viewing on the documentary channel July the 21st. You, want to, you might want to check that out. That's uh, cbc.ca backslash documentary channel search the taming of the queue to find out a little bit more about some of these um, offerings that the doc channel uh, has for people like you and me for your dining and dancing pleasure josh Fried and i had a fun conversation we talked about standing in lines and why lineups are so fascinating we talked about things like cue science that's C-U-E. And line regret. We talked about Dr. Q and, um, you know, the, the illusion of, of a lineup going faster. How many of us have been caught up uh, in, in lines that, you know, oh, if I only move over to aisle 18, I'm going to move a little bit quicker, only to find out once we moved over to aisle 18, that's just not happening. Josh Fried is a uh, filmmaker. He's a journalist. And just an all-around good guy. You're going to really enjoy this interview. And there's some really interesting insights about you and I, about human beings, about culture and lives, our lives, that we live in this crazy, beautiful place we call the world. Josh Fried coming right up. Don't forget, face-to-face-live.ca for more uh, podcasting uh, um, and Boy, we're at 300, 305 interviews, I think. And, of course, rabble.ca as well for more information there uh, and a whole other uh, list of podcasters and articles and things you might be interested in. Coming right up, The Taming of the Q, uh, coming up on July 21st on the Documentary Channel. And Josh Fried is our guest here today on Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest uh, today, Josh Fried. He's an award-winning filmmaker. He's a writer. He's a journalist. He's... Um, well, we're going to find out exactly what kind of guy he really is. Josh, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Sure, David. 
So we're here to talk about your new film. Uh, you are a documentarian and a journalist, but t- can you tell us a little bit, The Taming of the Q? Lovely title, by the way. Laughed out loud when I saw it in my email box, uh, inbox. What, what exactly is going on here? Well, it's just the fact that we quietly and secretly for most of our lives spend an awful lot of time in line, standing in line, sitting in traffic lines, waiting on hold on telephone lines. Most people don't think about it. But they do it. And when you calculate it, as it turned out, once I started working on the film, it turns out that the average person spends from one to two years of their lives in some kind of line. And uh, technology is starting to make that a little easier online. Mm. But really, the idea that we're stuck in queues more often than we know is is what the film's about. It's a funny look at it. It's a sociological look at it. But it, but it actually is a genuine sort of small human problem. So the taming of the queue is is the kind of story of where the queue came from, why we stand in queues and lines, and what we're going to do about it to get us, I guess, to the end of the line, if you will. So I... I Josh, I hate lines. I really don't like them. I, I, I avoid them. I will, um, you know, I'll look for the all important one line that I know is moving quickly. And then I'll get out of, um, stall 18 and move over to 12 and then realize that the guy at 12 didn't bring the right credit card and he's got to go out to his car. And I made the wrong decision, right? <laughs> well, that's, that, that's, that, that in fact is rule number one of, of Q science. The other line always moves faster. <laughs> or at least the other line always seems to move faster. Whatever line you're in will look like the slower line, and you will go through all this line regret. Why did I choose this line? Why has that woman got 17 discount coupons in front of me? Why is that guy stocking up on groceries for Armageddon? Like, you get all these feelings, why me? Then you try to change lines, and then suddenly you made a mistake, and it, the other line looks better. Not so different in traffic, when you're stuck in a traffic line, in a traffic jam, right? You, you wiggle to the next thing, and it looks faster. Then the other one looks faster. So it's, it's a fundamental law of Q science, and there are thousands of Q scientists in the world who will tell you, never change lines, because all it does is cause aggravation. You're not going to get there any faster. And I'll just add a, a note to that. There was a Canadian study, it's not in the film, but it was done about... Five years ago, uh, in which two drivers had to get somewhere, and one was told to weave in and out as fast as he could in traffic, and the other was supposed to just stay in the line, and after 45 minutes, when they got to the destination, the weaver had gotten there just under a minute faster, but he probably aged somewhat more (laughs) because of the tension, right? And it felt longer to the weaver, too. So it is just the psychology of lines, and everybody who works in a Q store and tells us in the film over and over, they say, stay in the same line. It's so funny, you know, it's it's also, you know, I, dro- I drove home from up north yesterday, North uh, Aurelia in Ontario, and of course, quite a bit of traffic, long weekend and so on, and you watch the weavers. And, you know, I grew up with a dad who, who if somebody would pull up close to him, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't give them you know, he wouldn't accelerate, he would let them go around. And they would cut out and they would butt back in front basically just to run up in front of the next guy and hit the brakes. And, and so my, my dad's line was always, you go boy. So it, in a sense, I think my, my dad had a sense for that. I think, uh, Josh, that's I right. think, I think he Mark, knew this. You know, that's right. I mean, calm people figured that out eventually. But it's funny. Like when we're in a traffic line, you don't, we do cut in the difference. There's one, there's kind of a one central scientist in the film called from MIT, who's a Q engineer. And he's known in the, all over the world as Dr. Q. 
I know if he, as he says, it, when you're in a, when you're in a, a line in a supermarket, if you ever behaved like you did in traffic, people would kill you, right? If you kept like sitting yes. out and stepping in front of people and pushing them aside, we're, because we're anonymous in our car lineups, we're, we, we, you know, we, we behave much ruder than we do in the people lineup where it's tough to do that, you know? So okay, I do but, push but, into but, line but, in the film. I am filmed several times deliberately pushing into lines to see how people will react. I want to get back to that because that sounds hilarious, but are there really thousands of Q scientists around the world? Yeah, it's a, it's a major form of science. I mean, there's, you know, every traffic, every traffic system has Q scientists who study it. Every, you know, every commercial enterprise and, you know, shopping centers, they, they all hire Q scientists in, in kinds of lineups. In fact, the latest kind of lineup, you've noticed it. I mean, there's a whole history of lineups. I won't get into all of it, but, you know, the basic rule would be back in the 50s, one long Soviet line. They all stood in line for one cashier going crazy. Then they invented, invented like a supermarket lines, multiple lines where you're always looking over your shoulder saying, hmm, that line looks faster. And it gave us the illusion of being faster, so we lived with it for a long time. But actually, it turned out to cause us enormous anxiety. Hmm. People get nervous, and they're always trying to think, should I be in the other line? So the latest line, which is only about seven years old, invented by a British guy we interview in the film called the Q Guru, his lineup system, I'm sure you've seen it, you stand in one long line, but the, at the end of that line, there's seven or eight cashiers, right? Yes. So if somebody gets, if you, if you get that person who's buying lottery tickets and cigarettes and, you know, 6,000 tons of groceries, you don't get held up by them because they're just stuck at one cashier. So it, it, it's taken decades of Q scientists to figure out that this is the best system for a lineup. One long line, it's fair, it's equal, but many cashiers, so you don't get stuck. A hundred years of Q science. A hundred years of Q science. I'm hoping that's the title of your next book. <laughs> that's my. That's the seventh follow-up film. So, is this really a film about? I don't know human experience, human emotion. You know, you talked about aggravation. I I think about patience. I think about how my. I, I mean, I actually sometimes can start to my temperature can start to go up in, in a lineup that's moving really slowly when I know I've got to be somewhere. Why? Why? Why did I come to pick up this one silly item that could have waited a couple of days? You know, if only these people would move quicker. Like, what have they got? You know, they got nothing but time apparently. Um, you know, what what. Uh, yeah, is this is is this about human experience? Yes, it's about how we all experience it, but that's why we traveled around the world to see how different countries approach cues. You know, like you know, we went to India, we went to England, Canada, the States, to see if there's a different kind of cultural behavior. I mean, just for the record, people don't know the cue was only invented during the French Revolution, 1790s. Revolution was fraternity, liberty, fraternity, equality. Equality meant when you stood in a bread line, it was no longer before that, it was kind of like what I call worst come, worst ser first served. Like the big guy got served first, right? You pushed your way in. French Revolution, whoever you were, supposedly, rich, poor, big, small, you got in this thing called a queue, which is actually the pigtail on the back of the head, a braid. Uh, and the British, there's a lot of British writers like Carlyle who write about this at the end of the 1700s, that they're looking across, they're visiting France and looking across the channel with binoculars, and they see this weird thing. People are standing in a long line. What is it? And the British investigate, and by the early 1800s, they're lining up. And the next thing you know, by the, by the 1900s, the British are the world's greatest liners out there who believe that it's a mark of great civilization to line up, that it shows you, you know, what, a, what an egalitarian society you are. What's, and that continues. And that continues. And that continues what? in England right now, when we shot in England, I mean, 
people actually, they like queuing. Person after person will tell you they're proud to stand in a line because they feel very British. They feel they have the best lines in Europe, and it makes them better than other Europeans like the French and the Italians who don't know how to line up, right? Oh, they can't line up properly because they're sort of a bit of a mob in Italy and France. They kind of they kind of huddle around. They're not really a straight line. So the British have this great pride. It's part of their national identity. We are an orderly people. We are an egalitarian people. We stand in line properly, and we feel good about standing here. Bizarre. Is there is there something um, is there something that you found out about oh I don't know Nietzsche would call it the herd like mentality but the status quo is there something to be uh, is there some sort of, like I guess is there an English pride then in lining up because we're orderly it's such we're a great more- pride I mean there's such a great pride in the fact that they do it better than other Europeans and they are more egalitarian that there was a wonderful photo in the film it's a famous photo in the 2011 London riots. Uh, there's a picture of all these looters who smashed the window of an electronics store, it is, and there's a big long line of looters waiting to steal the television, standing in line. You smash the window, you go and get your TV, you come up, and the next guy goes in to get his TV. So yeah, I think that says a lot about how the British view this. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, That's utterly crazy to me. Yes, I'm going to line up to loot. That also that could be the title of your uh, second next book. Lining yes. up, lining up, lining up to loot. Yeah. Well, somebody said it. One of the guys says it's like you know, it's it's a me- measure of your civilization. You know, you line up in order to loot. It's just it's perfect. You know, so you never th- you wouldn't get that. Well, you might get that in Japan where they're also quite. In the Japanese, I, I, I've been there a few times. But we did, I filmed just with a light camera there, but they, the Japanese are actually for a big sports event, and, and if there's an overnight line, you go and you write your name. It's an honor system. You write your name on the pavement and how many tickets you want. And you'll see this long, long line of names on the pavement overnight with uh, with Japanese names, and you know, Mister, you know, Fujinama wants seven tickets. And the next morning, you show up and you take your place in that line, and everybody honors it because um, it's an obedient and uh, collective society. So the lineup says a lot about who we who we are. You know, like how we behave in the line says a lot about who we are. So India if, is if, not like that. So if I just relax and just I don't know read some email or bring a book along while I'm lining up for whatever it is. Am I going to live longer? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Josh? Rule three of the Q world is uh, occupied time feels shorter than unoccupied time. That is, if you have something to do while you're in the lineup, the lineup seems to move quicker. So yes, if you bring a book, and we have we actually filmed some people reading a book in a long New York lineup, if you bring a book, it will seem shorter. Everybody today, lines do feel shorter today, David, I think, because a lot of people have an iPhone in their hands, right? Right. And so you read the iPhone and you relax. It's when you're just standing or tapping your foot with nothing to do. Time stretches on interminably, right? So bringing a friend to a lineup is good advice, right? Talking, and a big thing is talking to strangers. That's something I didn't mention in England. One of the other things the British really like about lineups, and they say it over and over and over, it's a very reserved society. They're very polite. They don't yeah. talk to strangers a lot. But in a lineup, they like they start off. They say we start off whinging. British word for complaining. You say, "Isn't this line lousy? Why isn't this line long?" And you start talking. So we filmed the Wimbledon line, which is ten thousand people. Wimbledon's on now, actually. And somewhere in England, there are ten thousand people lined up to get standing room only tickets. And the lineup can be five hours. But they talk. They talk. They bring champagne. They yak. They get to know each other. And the British say it's one of the few opportunities they have in life to meet strangers in, a, in an acceptable way. It's socially 
acceptable way. That stiff British upper lip and reserve evaporates while you're standing in line. We met couples who met in line and got married uh, after <laughs> standing in the Wimbledon line. People who formed <laughs> lifelong friendships. It's incredible. It's like a social, I, I, I don't know, it's a social grease, if you want, in England. You know, it lets you be less formal. Well, it's, it's really kind of remarkable to me that, and, and by the way, congratulations on the film. I, 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 I think it's a marvelous uh, approach to something that's just so, oh, I don't know, mundane, so frustrating. So, I mean, if you did a poll, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you did, it's certainly anecdotal. Most people find them pretty unsettling. What a waste of time. 85% of North Americans hate lineups. Yeah. That's just the way it is. But, you know, what a beautiful way to tur- like, but what a beautiful way, Josh, to turn it on its head and to, to sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe implicitly suggest that, you know what, relax, occupied time is important, but maybe occupy it with other people. I mean, that's, uh, wow, that sounds pretty groundbreaking to me, Josh, you know? Yeah, I don't know, groundbreaking, but I like little, I like to just investigate little sociological phenomena in our life, the things we do and don't think about. And this is something we do all the time. We don't give it much thought. I mean, you know, there are, you, you complain about it when you're in it, you're angry, when you, and you forget it. You don't sit and discuss it later. But I think, I think it's really one of these small irritants in life that everybody has in every culture everywhere. You, you just you can't live without lining up sometimes, you know. And I, even on the phone, like, you know, when you, you phone a company and they put you on hold for sure. seven minutes and claim their value your business, which obviously they do not. That's an invisible lineup. You can't see yep. it. That's the worst kind of line, some people would say. Um, the invisible line where you don't know how long you're going to wait. It's like a traffic jam where you can't see the end of it. Yes. If you see the end of the line, it's easier. If you don't know what the line you're in and how you could be number two, you could be number 200. When I you're find it. For, I actually find say. that. I find that a little bit claustrophobic myself because, you know, you're caught on a highway. You can't get out. But if you can, it's like you're in a tunnel. If you can see the light at the end of it, and I've actually been in this case in a train, it's easier to get through that mile and a half of mountain that they've, you know, blown out uh, with dynamite. Yeah, they, they make you feel better. Next time you're stuck in traffic and you can't see the end, remember that the longest recorded lineup in traffic in history was 17 days nonstop in China five years ago. 17, 17 days. days. Wow. People had to, had to take ambulances, came in, people walked for endless miles and left their cars behind. Some people sat in a car for days. There were emergency services. It was one long 17-day traffic run. I remember being... Um, so, you know, you're... I remember being in Nigeria, Lagos, for, for a couple of days for a conference and a convention, et cetera. And we had, oh, I don't know, 11 people involved, two or three vehicles going to two meetings. And I think it was about 11 hours. And we did two meetings in one day. It was, it was probably, and I've done traffic in Southeast Asia and China. And, and, and I think that was for me, that was the worst, the most frustrating. And I had somebody to hang out with in the backseat of a car. That's an advantage in a car, but that was your, so that's your personal longest line. That's right. I was in Mumbai for shooting for this film too, and you really, we could at maximum do two interviews in a 12 hour day, and sometimes only one, because you have to drive for four hours often wow. to get to where you were going in the same city. Josh, what but does, people in Mumbai are just used to that. What does, yeah, exactly. What does the Buddhist say about a lineup? Is this, what does know, what? What does a Buddhist say about standing in a, in a lineup that's too well, long? That's, you know, that's it, interesting. We actually filmed in one long Buddhist lineup, and, and it, what's going on there is that the people who were standing there, in many cases, for seven or eight or nine hours, they're there to make, a, in their cases, to make a wish. Sure. Um, with health or world peace or, you know, somebody win a soccer game. Um, 
They say that the longer they stand there, the better they feel because the sacrifice is larger. And the hmm. bigger the sacrifice, the more chances your wish will come true. That will give you some kind of glimpse into what how Buddhists think, right? Well, yeah, and I well that that's pretty interesting. So so yeah, that that's almost sounds to me like like a form of self flagellation a little bit, but but. but but with a prize at the end, or with a reward of some kind. But I'm wondering too about it's just spiritual. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual thing, sure. At the end, really, you know, and the spiritual reward is to show your patience and uh, you know find some inner tranquility in the middle of it all. Not let the outside world get to your inside, right? Well, you know, let for me, yeah, and, and I think you know, I think for me that it it's about um, hmm, somehow trying to remain present. You know, I probably I probably spend more time in, with people in lineups than I do with my my actual neighbors and where I live. And what does that say about yes, me? Yes, when you add it all up, the people just, just supermarkets, just the time you spend in supermarkets. Is, you, know, you spend a lot of time in supermarkets. You stand in line for you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes at a time. You know, and that's, People can do this every day to some extent. You know, you spend time on the phone, almost every day phoning somebody and waiting on hold someplace, Air Canada, for instance. Big, uh, big, big, some big technological leaps, by the way, when I say that. I mean, one big change happening on the telephone, at least, is when you phone now, they're obeying, they, they say to you, you're number 11 in line, right? Because mm-hmm. that way, the invisible line is becoming visible, right? That's a new development. And the newest development, the best one, is you're number 217. We can call you back in seven right. days and three hours. And you hang up, and you don't actually have to stay in the line. That's a huge leap. That will probably cause much of us, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of hidden psychological grief, phone grief, will, will diminish rapidly. So I think all answering machines will work that way in companies in a decade and we won't actually wait on telephone hold lines anymore. Did you, did you, did you, did you learn anything about generosity while filming people with, about people in lines, you know, Oh no, go ahead, sir. You please, ma'am, you before me, you know, that kind of well, thing. It's hard to say. Let me, let me, let me reframe that for you. Cause I, in each country I went to, I cut into line, right? It's not easy for me. Cause I'm not <laughs> a natural so, cutter. Just what, li- what little I know of you, Josh, me, what little I know about you makes me laugh already. You know, I just uh, yeah. it, it, it was not it was not funny at first. But the first time I had to, I was sweating. The first time I stepped into one, Montreal Schwartz is where I started the first time. Where oh, you okay. see it on camera. We had a camera across the street filming from another from a hidden location, and I walk across the street and I just cut into line. And I I sort of said they looked at me, and I just sort of said, um, I you know I I said pardon me I just I'm going to be sitting just at the counter and this. Big guy turns around and he says, no, you're not. He said, we've all been waiting here a long while. He stared at me and he, he starts to argue with me on camera and his wife is staring. And I felt like an idiot, you know, like a yeah. complete idiot. And they threw me out. I went to the back of the line. It was so bef- I stepped in front of another guy and uh, he pushed me out of line, which is all on camera. So it's quite funny in many ways. But I didn't feel funny at the time. I felt very awkward. But the more I cut in, the more I got used to it. It is easy to get, to, it's easy to get. You know, to become rude and get used to it. Unfortunately, I kind of did a line in England. We have, I think, we show six or seven episodes. Though I did it many more times. In every case, what happens is what I was told by British sociologists. What happened? That you can see them staring at me. You can see them glaring at me. You can see them discussing me. But nobody ever asks me to leave a line. Hmm. North Americans kick you out of line. In America, we tried it once, and they threatened to break the camera when I asked them if they could. If they would sign a release form afterwards, and we didn't, I, I stopped pushing in in America because it was too aggressive. 
And the last country I pushed in, which I, we didn't use either, is in India. I tried pushing it. There. They said in India I would get a, I would get a privilege because I was Caucasian. They would treat me like an upper class member. And in fact, I tried to push in a couple of times, and uh, people were so servile that I felt terrible. I felt like a bully. And I never did it again. I decided not to show it. But so a lot of this has to do with social relationships, you know, yeah, democracies. You know, values of some kind. The British mm -hmm. are reserved. They're angry at you, but the polite Canadians are going to stand their ground and push you out. The Indians seem to be defer a bit in some ways. It's some, some historical remnant to the caste society. I think it's it. You know how how the how a society and in Japan you couldn't even conceive of doing it. It would be so unthinkable. You just couldn't. You just couldn't push in. So, well, you know, it says a lot about who a culture is, how they respond to that. You know? Well, it it really is fascinating. You mentioned earlier, uh, I think it was one of the one was it the Q guru or Doctor Q that talked about you know cars and getting into cars and how we feel anonymous. I mean, do we do we leave kind of our ethics and our values and morals at the door once we 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 start the engine? Yes, I think when you get in a car, you, you, a car is a very selfish instrument. I think you know, I think I think I talk to a. Uh, guy who wrote a book on traffic, Tom Vanderbilt mistakes, and he'll tell you it's just it's it, it's a me vehicle, you know, when you're in it, you're thinking about me and you're pushing ahead and you're trying to get someplace fast. And there's a tendency to leave everybody everybody behind your tracks. You don't have to you don't have to look them in the eyes, right? You never see them. So it's not really a human you're pushing in front of, it's kind of another car. Right. Um and I think that's a real problem with with the way we behave in traffic. But fortunately we seem to be better than that in, in supermarkets. If anybody pushed in front of me I imagine if somebody came fighting in front of you and just you know, nudged your fender, so to speak, your bum, like they do a car. You know, because now in India, I got to tell you the thing that's interesting in India. Many things are interesting, but one of the things <laughs> interesting is that is that you people. The first thing I have to realize, I went to stand in line, and um, I, I just you, you know, we have a certain sense of personal space. You leave a sure. couple, you leave a few inches between you and the person in front of you, just naturally. Well, no sooner did I stand in line, and four people stepped in, in in that space, right, and then two more pushed in front, and you simply can't leave a space. When I interviewed Indians on it, they said, they said, this is a society, we're working 12-hour days, we're traveling four hours, we're trying to get home to our families. Our time is incredibly valuable, and if you can afford to leave a space in that line, you don't need that space. That's a space that you have a luxury for. I need that space. So you, you've got to squeeze together, and anybody who's not squeezed together is advertising loud and clear. It's not really urgent. So somebody who needs it will push in front of you. What did uh, universal? Did 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 Darwin write on lineups? <laughs> he should have. Eh? <laughs> a revolution of the lineup. I think I so. I don't know. Lineup evolving, but it certainly says a lot about humanity. It says a lot about who we are. It's, it says a lot about our inner psychology. Because much of what's going on in the lineup is in your head. You know, you're you're thinking all these things. You're thinking, why is that person pushing? And you're thinking, could yes. I push? And did I choose the right line? Did I choose the wrong line? Why did I come here? We have these huge internal dialogues all the time while we're sitting in line. It's kind of, you could say it's a kind of self-philosophy going on inside. And bullies will take advantage of lines. Um, what do you do? In, you know, I mean, in India, what will happen when they want to push into a line uh, is three or four big guys will suddenly push into a line. And there's a woman screaming at one point on camera when we see this happen. You know, it's, it's just... They're gangsters, sort of, who push into line. You're a little bit scared to do it. And high caste people. We, one of the guys we interviewed, Jerry Pinto, quite a famous writer in India. He says, "I, when it's read emergency, he says I use my caste. He says I look, I puff my chest out. I'm well dressed, and I walk to the front of line as though I belong. And he says, and the guards will just, you know, whisk me in because I look the part. He said, and I said, do you feel guilty about this? He says, oh, I feel horribly guilty. He says, but sometimes 
it matters, and you sort of leave your manners behind. And I become I, I become a very well dressed beast. Mm, it's pretty interesting. As soon as you mentioned that, I, I went back a good thirty years. I guess I'm showing my age. Going to some sort of nightclub, dance club in Toronto. I was with the head of a a comedy club in town. He knew all of. The, I guess the security guards, I guess, the bouncers, I guess they're called, right? Big long lineups of people trying to get in. We would walk up, big smile, big handshake, boom, in we went. So, like, again, you know, we were in the VIP line, so to speak, you know? Yes. I mean, that's what we have when you're, where's the most frustrating place to be in line for all of us? What do we hate? The airport drives us crazy. Airports are just one gigantic lineup, right? Well, one, and one after the other, too, right? Yes, it's a series of lineups. It's but just a, a maze of lineups, you know, and it drives us mad. But if you're first class, you can duck some of those lineups, right? You can't duck everyone. Well, actually, if you have a fast pass, you know, to get into the States through Nexus, and you have a first class pass to get into the plane, you can walk right into the airport without ever standing in line, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that's the... That's the evolution of the of the bar line you were in many years ago, thirty years ago. Today, yes, the airport ex- exactly. Line, well, very I, important people don't stand in line. That's the class system. That is a mark, a big mark. You know, in our society, one of the biggest things a wealthy person can do is uh, is avoid the line. Or if you're really wealthy, you can have your own plane and no lineup at all. You don't even have to. Maybe maybe you don't have to be in traffic to that's get right. the plane. Yes, yes. The uh, the nexus is the wave of the future, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, we're going to have to wrap it up here in a couple minutes, sadly. But uh, what did you learn from, about kids? Any anything? Any insights from children and and lining up? Did it, more patients? Uh, you know, uh, did did they were they you know prisoners of their own occupied time? How, how no, I can they... only I can only talk about Wimbledon, where tremendous numbers of families were, and like you sure. know, kids all bought little chairs with and sat down, and they they kids sort of played with each other in that lineup, you know, kids from, the you know, the, the lineup is kind of a, it's a form of life, you know, there's thousands <laughs> of people standing in line for hours, and I would say kids were the most patient people there, kids were having a good time, kids were using the line as a social occasion, they met other kids, and um, if everybody had as much fun in a line as those kids had at Wimbledon, well, lineups would be a treat, not a misery. Well, maybe, maybe the uh, prescription should be that we all need to go and at least spend a bit of time in the Wimbledon uh, lineup at some point in our lives. Yes, but you, you know, there is, of course, a VIP line too. Right, of course, expensive. of course, there would be. Josh, thanks so much for your time today. What a pleasure talking to you, Josh Fried, award-winning filmmaker, writer, and journalist, talking about his new film uh, called "The Taming of the Q." Uh, I hope everybody gets to see it, Josh. Thanks, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, me too, David. Thanks for the invitation. A pleasure talking to you. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 